0: Welcome back to the Time Theory Podcast for the people that know that their time on this planet is so limited and they want to better use that time in order to live a good life You got this man I believe Welcome back to the Time Theory Podcast the podcast for people who know that their time on this planet is so limited and want to better understand how to navigate reality in order to use their time more wisely In this podcast, the thing that we're talking about first of all is coronavirus because that's what's going on with our time. (laughs) But hopefully, we'll be able to have a positive spin on coronavirus because actually, if you reframe coronavirus in the right way, you can actually get a whole lot of mental benefits from it. So let's talk about that. Absolutely, (laughs) coronavirus—it is everywhere. It is crazy. We have never seen anything like this in our life.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, it is amazing. Like it is, people
1: are saying it is the thing that's going to define you know our you know next 100 years Mm -hmm. um, which is really interesting Um, I'm tempted to see that things perhaps worse than this could come Mm -hmm. but at the moment this does seem the worst yeah
0: and and we were saying that nobody in our generation or even our parents generation have seen such a worldwide event you know our grandparents they had the world war where they went through and they had rations people were going off, people were dying, and people at home had to you know, protect themselves, there were sirens, and they, they had to ration their food. Now is the first time since then that we're seeing something that's even slightly similar to that kind of event.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting, I wonder if society is responding any differently than they did then. Mm-hmm. Like if you think, like we had so much of the, the blitz spirit, for example, mm-hmm. um, which might, I'm tempted to say, could be overblown, like it, we could be looking at that with like rose-tinted glasses, mm-hmm Um, as like society putting together Mm -hmm. but I think that almost now we're starting to see that again as well like this this spirit of people particularly in the UK as well people like putting together to stay indoors Mm -hmm. um, and look after each other like I'm seeing like tons of like volunteering groups online like just trying to help out people Mm -hmm. which I think is really interesting yeah Um, and it's nice to see like society
0: putting together still Mm. and it's even more interesting the fact that you're seeing that when 90% of other people in society are seeing all of the bad things, Mm -hmm. people stealing each other's toilet paper, people going crazy, all the anxiety and stuff. But your natural tendency is to find the good situations that are going on in this crazy dark experience When most people are seeing the bad experiences. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's something in that?
1: Oh, definitely. And also, like, looking at it as being like the overall system. I don't think we should speak about it later, Mm -hmm. but like trying to draw comparisons between like now and World War II as being like big events that have happened in society and watching how a society responds. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of interesting research that can come out of that, and I'm excited to see it. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's about looking for the opportunities and and looking from a top down perspective. Mm -hmm. But I guess from your perspective as well, like from a stoic perspective, you think that you know has stoicism actually been useful for you mm-hmm. in kind of seeing this this time
0: a hundred percent i mean like like so many people say there's no new events that happen it's just history repeating itself again and again and the one example we were just talking about was the world war where everyone had to you know come together for this crazy external circumstance but almost a better example a one that's more accurate was marcus aurelius some two thousand years ago the roman empire roman emperor and in his time, you know, he was at war constantly. So many of his men were dying. But in his hometown, there was a plague who would go on and wiped out so many of his people. Think about what that did to his economy. Mm. Think about what that did to his morality. Yet somehow, he was able to go through all of that and reframe it in a way that actually benefited his character. All of these negative, horrific events, death, he was able to take that and adopt that in his character. And if he could do that, someone high up with so much pressure on him, why can't all of us do that? Take this event that, yes, it's negative, yes, it's horrific, so many people are dying, so many of our loved ones are experiencing and having to struggle at home, mm-hmm. but we personally can take that and use it for our benefit. Uh, it, there's so much benefit that we can do from that. Yeah, how do you actually do that, though? How do you do that? I, I think the main thing is we're seeing all of the, the, we're seeing phone numbers that people can call for coronari- coronavirus anxiety. I don't know the statistics, but I've had to guess. That's being caused from the news, mm-hmm. because the news knows that the more negative things that it can show you, the more negative emotional responses it can get from you. The more likely you're going to come back to the news. If we look back into our evolutionary history, when something scares us, our brain is wired to look at that thing, mm-hmm. because if it's a you know if it's a predator, we don't want to ignore the fact that it's there. So if we see something scary, our brain focuses on that. If a relative dies, our brain focuses on that thing because we want to avoid the death that they had. Mm -hmm. But now, all that's causing us to do is to watch the news again and again and again. And yeah, there's some parts of the news that's beneficial. You know, you need to know what the government's recommending you to do. But after that, you're torturing yourself. You're watching these so many negative things of people who are grieving. That's not benefiting you. That's not keeping you safe. That's just making you emotionally scared and an anxious person. Mm -hmm. So I think it's almost like being selective about what you allow yourself
1: to be ignorant of. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I do this in a couple of ways. One is slightly more selfish than the other. Mm-hmm. So like my two like practical ways that I try to mitigate the news is I use people as a filter. Mm-hmm. So I rely on you and I rely on Claire and people that I know are like really knowledgeable in this space and I, I wait for them to tell me that something is kicking. I, I didn't know that coronavirus was particularly a thing until someone told me about it. Mm-hmm. Because I know that the most important information, I can rely on people to, to tell me about it. Now I don't know whether that's a good strategy. Um, I'd be interested to hear people's thoughts. Like, I mean, if everyone in society did that, it would be a bit messed up. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's working for me, and it's, it's practically beneficial for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the second thing is trying to look at it from a top-down perspective. I don't look at the news, I look at like the hospital, I look at like the spread of it on, on, on like a global level, um, and I try to look at the graphs and the trends and make a judgment based on that, rather than the qualitative uh, words that people put of it. But mm-hmm. on coronavirus, I just try to look at it from a quantitative perspective. Mm-hmm. Could you talk more about that? Well, yeah, sure. So, I mean, um, I guess it's more looking at it from like the bigger system. It's like a, a top-down perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so coronavirus isn't actually particularly dangerous for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, all, we all already know that you know for old people and for people with pre-existing conditions, it is. And if you don't know that you've got a pre-existing condition, it's pretty dangerous as well, mm-hmm. right? So you, you should try to avoid it. But it's more the second-order consequences of coronavirus. Mm-hmm. So you think you're playing snooker when you hit the white ball. It's not the white ball that's hit, it's where, what the white ball is going to hit and where those balls are going to hit mm-hmm. that causes the problems. Um, so that's the bit that I am concerned about. Um, and so it, it's it, particularly your hospital quotas, we've heard a lot about as well as so the hospital limits um, and how much they can actually take in. The really scary thing is that hospitals might start getting full. Um, and then if you break your leg, you can't go and see anyone. And we have to start deciding like who gets to live and who gets to die. Like, those are scary mm-hmm. decisions that we just don't want to be making. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it, it's about that. Um, And then the second thing is is the economic stuff as well. That's where it's really scary, Um, the economic effects. And so, like, basically, to to really simplify the economy, you just have to look at it as transactions. I pay you for a service in return. You use that. You then take that money and pay someone else. Mm -hmm. And that's how the whole economy grows, and that's how things move. The coronavirus is essentially shutting off a ton of those avenues of people making those transactions, mm-hmm. and so you're seeing this huge slowdown in the growth of society. People aren't getting paid, which means that those people aren't paying other people, and those people aren't paying other people, and that's how you start to see like you know the economic collapse. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in like the midterm there is going to be like a serious like economic consequences for this, mm-hmm. um, and we're already seeing like the UK government is like trying to pay people's wages. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, it it is not a particularly long-term strategy. Um, The long-term strategy is that we didn't allow this to happen in the first place. Um, And I think science funding is really important. Uh, Sorry, this might be getting a little political, um, so I kind of want to divert away from that. Um, But yeah, so seeing it from the top-down perspective of the systems and how they interact, how does, you know, how is the economy being affected? How are hospital limits being affected? Mm -hmm. um, And using that as a protection of myself from the anxiety Um, although maybe I am just kind of talking myself uh, because when you look at it as quantitative numbers it's harder to be scared by them because you know where the limits is and you know what you're heading towards Mm -hmm. and then when you are, if you do start to feel anxious then you can start to apply the cool stoicism stuff and protect yourself from that anxiety to then act Mm -hmm. to then see that as an opportunity and then say, right, we need to do something about this Mm -hmm. in like a very level-headed way because you know, okay, I've looked at the numbers I'm worried about this now
0: I then am justified in my anxiety. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, It's also on the counter side of that to play devil's advocate. Mm -hmm. Maybe those emotions act as a good sign because maybe the news is trying to scare us all into acting. Mm -hmm. Because if they just told us, you know, you need to stay in your room. How many people are actually going to do that? But if they're able to scare us and really make us aware of the devastating consequences of interacting with people and how one person that's coronavirus on average passes on to four other people maybe by scaring us into staying into a room that's how you stop it yeah so maybe they're purposefully making us anxious so that we act yeah yeah, yeah. because if we weren't anxious we wouldn't act
1: yeah so in sociology that's called the functionalist perspective and they basically believe that everything in society has a function like Mm -hmm. even like moral panics for example so basically they say that when the media is like hyping up the Big, huge problems mm-hmm. they're basically highlighting an area that needs to be solved within society mm-hmm. and that the purpose of the media is to highlight the areas that society can improve mm-hmm. um, but I, and the counterpoint to that is that they're highlighting the areas that attract the most views not necessarily the worst areas right mm-hmm. um, so in an ideal world
0: yeah yeah um, so that would be the counterpoint to that yeah and i would go with your counterpoint, <laughs> counterpoint because mm-hmm. when they talk about you know tsunamis and stuff Mm -hmm. yeah it's good to be informed of that stuff but we can't do anything about it Mm -hmm. so it's obvious that they're not making us anxious because they hope us to do an action that's going to benefit the world Mm -hmm. they're making us anxious because they want us to come back Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah
1: um so yeah i think maybe we should move on to quotes um uh, unless you had anything else about coronavirus yeah so i think yeah overall looking at it from like a the top-down system a way to guard yourself, and then mm-hmm. to apply stoicism to assess your feelings around those systems, mm-hmm. um, as a way to kind of decide whether you should be interacting about trying to change that system or not, mm-hmm. um, and then if not, then just stepping back and say, "Right, there's nothing
0: I can do." Mm-hmm. And as a disclaimer, we are understanding the consequences that coronavirus is having—that people are dying, that countries are going into shutdown, and the economic consequences. Yeah. But we're just saying, for on a person-to-person basis. There's no benefit to getting overly anxious. Do what you've got to do, put your relatives in safety, but once you've done that, there's no benefit to that anxiety. Mm. It's just do what you've got to do, and then get yourself in, a, in an emotional space, and ride the roller coaster until it's finished. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's it. Yeah, And constantly be looking for opportunities within that. Opportunities to develop yourself, and to develop society, and to develop exactly. your family. like. There's so much opportunity around at the moment. And as, as we kind of discussed about volunteering, we're already seeing people fill those opportunities and, mm-hmm. and actually really helping people, mm-hmm. um, which is just fantastic to see. So yeah, definitely mm-hmm. try to use stoicism in a very positive way to actually look for opportunities and help
0: people. Mm-hmm. You can't grow without those difficulties. Yeah, You know, you go to the gym and all the weights are easy. You can't do much. So this is a, a challenge. It's a test for all of us. And we can either win the test we can lose the test, but it's all in here. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I'd be really interested to see what people are saying about that and, mm-hmm. and how stoicism mm-hmm. and how other concepts have helped people to kind of, you know, frame the, this, these times in their minds. Mm-hmm. I think that's super interesting. I think it is as well. I'd be really excited to hear about it. Yeah, we'll see. Videos. Let us know. <laughs> absolutely. So I think we should move on now um, and talk about quotes. Um, so did you have a quote? I do, but it's on your <laughs> computer. <laughs> Go
0: for it truth is not what you want it to be it is what it is and you must bend to its power or live a lie
1: okay so i think i've heard that a a few times um by like ray daniel and principles um and a couple of other philosophers and stuff it's just like a radical acceptance of reality Mm -hmm. um but what's the one um it's like seneca um and it's like the the dog and the cart for example Mm -hmm. that uh, what was that about? That was about your emotions, wasn't it?
0: That's just about not fighting fate. There's some things you can't control, mm-hmm. and there's no point fighting against that fact because if you do fight against it, you're going to get dragged along like a dog that's being pulled along by a cart. The best thing to do is run alongside, run alongside the cart or fate and accept it for what it is and do the best with what you've got. Mm-hmm. Get a bit of exercise whilst you're there. <laughs>
1: so I guess that we're taking it even further than that, saying it's not just fake, but it's the entire world, and the entire reality. Accept mm-hmm. the realities, um, otherwise we're just living a, a lie. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Like, that's it. Because sometimes it is good to lie to yourself. I haven't mean, discussed this before, but mm-hmm. sometimes what is more practically useful is, I don't
0: know, there's two sides to it. There's one side I can completely make the argument that it's always good to see reality for exactly how it is. Mm-hmm. Imagine you're trying to go through a maze and you've got glasses where left is right and things aren't accurate. Like, you're not going to be able to navigate that maze to get to the end result if you can't see exactly your surroundings, exactly the way the world works, exactly the rules that are di- dictating this maze. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to make it to the end and there's so much benefit in figuring out how the world works because if you know how it works, you're able to navigate it, you're able to be the puppet master to the world You're able to to understand the laws of the universe and play within those to get to what you want. Mm -hmm. The counter argument you're making is that sometimes it's best to delude yourself on those rules because you can actually derive more benefit from that Mm -hmm. than seeing the world for how it actually is. Yeah.
1: Right? Yeah. I'm trying to think of an example. Steve Jobs. Okay, go for it. So
0: he's got this. People said that as he went through his life, he was. He had a reality distortion field. That's Mm -hmm. what they called it. (laughs) Where there was stuff that he would just. He, he would see the future and, and, and things that weren't really how they were but he was so set on these things that not only did he believe them but his crew around him believed it also mm-hmm. and look how that turned out like a massive company like it worked for yeah. him because he was able to delude himself and the people around him that they could make a company that big when in reality the chances that they could do it was so slim but yet he was so dead set on it that it ended up working and working very well
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah and so I think Ray Daniel, so I guess we're kind of applying the Socratic method here of, of finding something and then trying to find the exceptions to that, and mm-hmm. then hopefully we can narrow down like a, a more true definition. Mm-hmm. So you said that accepting reality, that's kind of the premise, I guess. Um, the exception to that is Steve Jobs, who has, you know, the reality distortion field. Um, on the flip side, I think Ray Daniel talks a lot about how it's been very practically useful for him to see reality truly as it is. And so I think it probably depends a lot on your field. Mm -hmm. Ray Dalio is an investor. Um, If you don't know, he wrote Principles, fantastic book. Um, And so probably very useful for him to truly accept reality because he needs that in order to make good investment judgments. But Steve Jobs, on the other hand, is probably a visionary and needs that. Um, So I don't know, is there anything that we can gain from that insight? I
0: think the difference is, and again, I'm not 100% sure, but from what it appears on the surface level, Ray Dalio is working within a field. So out there is the stock market. He's mm-hmm. got to understand this machine. How does it work and how can you pick and choose the right things to invest in? Whereas Steve Jobs had nothing and he's creating this field. Mm-hmm. So Ray Dalio was working within a pre-made field. Steve Jobs is creating a new field, which is the iPhone and all of the products that he made. So, maybe because he was creating something new, he had the opportunity to create the rules, to create how reality worked in this new field, right? Whereas Ray Daly was working within a pre made field.
1: So, I mean, uh, that depends how you define reality. So, when you were talking about like a radical acceptance of Mm -hmm. reality, I was seeing that as like the whole of reality Mm -hmm. rather than just specific fields of reality. Mm -hmm. So, are there like different levels to
0: realities, do you think? I think there is. Right. I think there must be. Because, well, obviously there's different levels because you can look at, you know, the, the day-to-day physics, you can look at gravity, but then you can look at physics as an interconnection of all of these different things. Right. So I think that there is, like, not, you know, separate levels as in, like, the... the what's that film called? Inception. Yeah. But <laughs> right. More, in, like, in a, just a more practical terms. There are... There are rules, but then there are counter rules when you look at things from a higher point of view.
1: Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you've got the whole of reality, and then if you take a one snippet of that, um, that's one reality in and of itself. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not like a pyramid or something where everything. Pyramid scheme. (laughs) (laughs) Reality is just a pyramid scheme (laughs) with God at the top. (laughs) Now that is a quote. (laughs) That is that is a Richard Dawkins book title. Reality is a, <laughs> reality a, is a pyramid scheme. It should be quotes that we've said <laughs> like when we were drunk. <laughs> yeah, that is, I like that a lot. Reality yeah. is a pyramid scheme and God <laughs> is at the top. <laughs> right, moving on. Next quote. I think that's really interesting. Yeah,
0: I don't know the answer to that. I, I think day to day in our lives, there are times that we delude ourselves because that's the benefit to us in the world. Yeah. But there's also the benefit on the other side. It's like you've got to hold these two, these, this scale in your mind. Some things you can delude yourself because it's beneficial to delude yourself on those things. For example, I am going to succeed. Mm-hmm. That's a delusion. Mm-hmm. You're not guaranteed that this business venture or whatever is gonna succeed. But if you don't believe that, what's the likelihood that you will succeed? Yeah. How many of these massive visionaries, they all had the belief that 100% they were gonna succeed that's not accurate but it's beneficial Mm -hmm. but then on the other side you've got to counter that with really figuring out the laws of the universe how things work the interconnection between different fields whatever your field is how do things work in that field there's so much benefit in that as well Mm -hmm. I can't figure out when I can't figure out an overarching rule on when it's beneficial to do this and when it's beneficial to do that yeah absolutely but there's something there
1: yeah i think definitely like humans are very capable of wearing two different hats and mm-hmm. so we can just take one off and put the other one off pretty readily mm-hmm. and so i think it's just like knowing when to apply those different hats mm-hmm. um, and maybe we can talk about that uh, you know a bit deeper in a future episode because we probably should move on mm-hmm. um but those are like two different hats and it's okay to wear either i think and it's just about choosing carefully when to wear each Because you definitely don't want to be deluding yourself when the best option is to be truly seeing the system.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: Um, So yeah, next quote. Um, I am bringing a quote. Um, So actually, no, you are bringing a (laughs) quote. A second quote. A second quote. Wow, you're really bringing it in. (laughs) I just read it and I was like, oh, I haven't come up with a quote yet.
0: (laughs) So this quote's not so much of a quote. It's more of a story. There's this guy, his name is Eugene Kelly. He was diagnosed with cancer, and he was told that he had 90 days left to live. Yeah. And this was completely out of the blue, completely unexpected. You've now got 90 days left to live. He was a really clever man. He, he had done a lot of things in his life. And one of the things that, when he realized he had 90 days left to live, he created these circles, these circles of, first of all, his acquaintances, and then, you know, f- distant friends, and then close friends, and then family. And he sectioned out his 90 days and he gave each of those circles, uh, you know, the fair representation of time. So was his acquaintances, he would, eat, he would, you know, get on the phone with them. They'd have a bit of a chit-chat and he'd say goodbye. This is the last phone call we'll have. And then for the, 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 the friends, he would go and he would reenact the first experience he had with them when they first met, you know, just have a memory and to finally say goodbye to them. And then finally, he spent the last 14 days with his daughter, And he spent them, they they flew first class to some hotel, I think it was in Prague, and they stayed in Prague just together for 14 days. And he said he was present the whole time. Every single second of that time, he was completely present, enjoying every single moment he, he could get. He knew this was the last time that he could get with them. And he genuinely said that in those 14 days, it felt as if he'd lived 10 years. He genuinely thought that he had had all of the experiences and he had all of the memories that normal people would get in 10 years of time. And it really qu- pulls into question the difference between normal time and anecdotal time. The, the, what did I call it when I wrote it down? I, I didn't write it down, but it's kind of experiential time, you mm. know, not objective but subjective time, right? And we all go through life. There are periods of our life where things go really quickly. But, you know, life just flashes by. And then there's other points in time where things go really slowly. And how does this happen if time is objective? Why is there such a subjective experience of time? But the quote that I wrote down is he said that he lived more in 90 days because of his cancer than he would have done if he never got cancer in the first place.
1: Mm.
0: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. He genuinely said that. He genuinely
1: said that. That is, that is awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. So just a couple of questions there. Um, like, how, how did he, what is that? What is in that? Is it the memories or is it the being present or is it a combination of the two or is it something else that I'm
0: not seeing? I think it's a combination of the two. Um, there's some TED talk where they, they talked about this and they said that imagine you've got a hose and you've got water going through the hose. Water is that time, but based on how wide or how narrow the hose is depends on your perception of time. And they said that the way that you can make the hose wider so that time feels slower is to have a greater depth of experiences. Mm. So so to really feel emotions, to feel positive emotions and to to almost put yourself in situations where there's a chance that you'll cry, to really feel the full growth of experiences in depth, but then also in breadth, to have new experiences. So as a kid, you have your first kiss, you have your first time at the beach, your first time in the mountains, you've got all of these experiences. And that's why when you're a child in summertime, you feel like summer's going to last forever. Mm-hmm. You look back, you've got so many memories, so many breadth of experience that time feels like it's passing really, really slow. But as most people get older and older and older, they get into a safe job and they stay in that job for 20 years. They have a wife that they stay with for 20 years. Their experiences in depth and breadth are so slim because they're comfortable and they don't do much. Mm-hmm. And that's why it feels like time just goes... Faster and faster and faster. The older you get.
1: Okay. So is the answer then to have lots of different wives?
0: <laughs> yeah, Henry VIII. He, <laughs> he was on to He was. He
1: really was like a time theorist. We <laughs> the
0: <laughs> should make that the new logo, Henry the, Ape. Henry the Ape. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, of course, I think it's always beneficial to have more experiences and to have deeper experiences. Mm-hmm. I think that that's going to benefit everyone. So, what's a new experience that you've done recently? the podcast Mm -hmm. i mean we're on episode three i've never done a podcast before um but definitely this is going to be a memory Mm -hmm. and if you think about it a memory is something that you're never going to forget so that's like a capsule of time that's that's so so most like time passes for most people but a memory kind of defies that rule Mm -hmm. because no matter what's going on with time you're always able to put yourself back into this capsule of time kind of able to you know jump back into the past and enjoy moments of time yeah and the more of those you can have the more opportunities you have to do that
1: so you're saying that you can extend time like your perception of time by having new and deep experiences Mm -hmm. um and so if i was to kind of try and work that into my daily routine what would that look like it's difficult because
0: it's uniqueness but but it's also imagine that that you decided to sign up for a 5k race Mm. Most people, they go and, you know, they they just run the race. The time is whatever. But if you set a goal for yourself that's just pushing yourself uh, and you you want that goal so much that if you don't get it, you'll cry, Mm -hmm. putting yourself in that position, you've now taken an event where one person just runs the 5K and the other person really strives to do their best. That turns that event into some kind of a memorable experience. Mm -hmm. So whenever you're just putting yourself in opportunities where you're either going to be super happy or you're going to cry. Most people shy away from that. They just stay comfortable. But I always think it's good even if you do cry because you now create a depth of experience. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. Okay, so the Stoic is now recommending that people cry because... <laughs> I mean,
0: it's not... It's not when, when it happens, you shouldn't cry. Right. Because you should accept the fact that you can't do anything to control it. Yeah. But it's it's gunning for things and putting yourself in experiences where that could happen. Yeah. Do you see how I'm, like, holding those two things? Yeah, yeah, they still work together? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, like... Kind of, yeah. Yeah.
1: So I think it's instead of saying, right, I'm going to go to the gym, it's saying, right, I'm going on American Ninja Warrior, yeah. or I'm going to go join a weightlifting competition. Exactly. And I'm going to be the, the biggest guy there. Something like that. It's, yeah. like, really, like, reaching... Um, because even if you just turn up, like, you know, to the weightlifting competition and you look like me, yeah. like, it's still going to be funny. Exactly. Like, you could, that's still a memory that you're yeah. like this tiny guy going to a bodybuilding competition, exactly. like, all tanned up and stuff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not knowing any of the poses.
1: <laughs> yeah, looking like a, like a salmon covered in fake tan. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think that's totally right. It's just yeah. about, like, you know, having a good time and laughing and enjoying like new and deep experiences mm-hmm. um i think that's definitely the way to do it so i guess like more practically like we should sit down regularly and think right how can we introduce something new into our lives but it's not always better like if you like seriously like want to do something with your life is it not better just to solely focus on that one thing
0: mm-hmm Uh, I guess what I'm saying is if you want to really slow down time and create memories, you have to do different things. Mm -hmm. And and a good way to show that is, uh, and I'm not saying that's the best thing to do. It's just if you want to slow down time, that's the best thing to do. Mm -hmm. Because it's so easy to create new experiences when you're doing something new. Like we could go and we could box once and that would be a memory. Yet if we box again and again and again, the only other memories there are is, you know, winning your first fight, maybe winning a competition, winning a championship. Mm-hmm. So if you devote yourself to boxing, there's, let's just say, for example, say there's four memories you can get from that. You know, your first time winning a fight, winning a competition and winning like the biggest thing, at whatever. Whereas if we do boxing, we've got an experience. If we do rock climbing, we've got an experience. If we do this thing and this thing and this thing, we've now got 10 experiences and yet we're able to do it far more consistently. Mm-hmm. It's weird, because I'm not saying that's the best thing to do, because I don't think that's the best thing to do. Yeah. But if your only goal is to, to slow down time and to create memories, then novelness is the way to go, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. But then obviously the flip side of that is that you don't get to do the specialization stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You don't get to um, like actually like truly get deep into a field. But mm-hmm. So one of my favorite criticisms that Marx has, you know, Karl Marx has of, of capitalism, is that humans aren't ne- naturally predi- like predisposed to being specialists mm-hmm. in a field. Humans want to go and try lots of different things. We want to go fishing, we want to go walking, we mm-hmm. want to go hiking. We don't just want to become the one best person at hiking because then we're just a machine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Karl Marx kind of saw communism as being this utopia where I could just you know, go and work on fishing or I could then change that day and go and work on computer science, for example. Mm-hmm. He saw it as being that kind of utopia. And it's only capitalism that demands your specialisation.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's
1: really interesting. I think it's
0: really interesting. My counter-argument to what we've just been talking about is some of the best experiences can only happen when you go deep in something. Mm-hmm. When you go deep into a relationship, that's when you truly get the, the blissful moments mm-hmm. of, of true connection and true love. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you go deep into to a field, when you really you know fall in love with that field, there's a huge host of incredible experiences you can only get with depth and you can't get with breadth
1: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah but how does a person choose whether they want depth or breadth
1: i mean it's the same question you asked me the other day um on the podcast or was it deep (laughs) (laughs) deep push up exact same question (laughs) Yeah. yeah who
0: knows i guess it's a balance of both yeah you've got to have breadth and you've got to have depth yeah
1: yeah but then you're not you're you know you're not good at either
0: It's really interesting. I,
1: mean, I, I don't know. I don't know either. I, I think know. you know. Tell us your thoughts about that one. That we'll just mm-hmm. leave that question hanging. Um, should we move on to the Q and A segment? Yeah. The Q and A today is from people um, on the YouTube asking us. Oh yeah. On the so leave
0: comments if you want us to answer your questions in this segment.
1: Um, so this is a really interesting question. Would you ever consider microdosing for productivity
0: benefits? I had microdose before. Okay. I tried LSD, where you put it in water and you drink a certain amount of water. For me, I didn't see any benefits from it. Um, I did it for like five days or something like that, five or seven days around that amount of time. Um, the only thing I noticed was I was slightly more anxious. Mm-hmm. That's the only benefit I got from it. Mm. Benefit I got from it. <laughs> so. I would, I'd be open to try it again. Maybe I was doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. I was young. Maybe I wasn't... I don't know. Yeah. But I've tried it and it wasn't the best. Yeah. What about you?
1: So I think the the really important thing to consider when when considering like any like external substance or stimulus is um, a, any kind of external substance with regards to your productivity is that you need to ensure that you have that like really productive baseline. Mm-hmm. Like, I see... Those kind of things as being almost like the nitrous, um, you know, like in a racing game or something it. where you tap the nitro button and you go a little faster. Mm-hmm. But if you're putting nitrous in like a really janky car that just doesn't even function anyway, mm-hmm. then you're you're only doing that to get the car moving. Mm-hmm. The car should already be moving in and of itself, mm-hmm. and that's not. I want to say that that's separate from, like, you know, um, people giving people pills or whatever for like depression or for treatment. That's entirely separate. What I'm saying is, if you want to try, if your productivity, if you're perfectly healthy and you you want to get to that next level, then you should try and do that through natural means to begin with, and make sure that you have a really strong baseline, and treat those things as Mm -hmm. though they are a nitrous boost, Um, and and do a, a ton of research around them, and try to quantify those, like, quantify the change. So I think you said that you noticed there was an anxiety and stuff, but there are like you know this. I think it's called quantified mind, where you can do like memory tests and recall tests, yeah. and you do those every single day. So you do it for thirty days, not on it, and you basically and then you do then you obviously start dosing and then you start doing tests. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you are going to do it, um, consult a professional, all that kind of stuff, but then also run your own tests um, on yourself to actually make sure you're getting that benefit mm-hmm. and just. Hold it lightly as well. Mm. um, And make sure that you have that. Because otherwise you're you're just going to become dependent on it. Mm -hmm. Um, I I mean, I I treat caffeine as exactly the same way. There's no point having caffeine if you, you know, are using that to get out of bed in the morning. You need to be able to get out of bed in the morning on your own. And then, because then, because caffeine will bring you from here to here. Um, If you're, you know, this is the baseline. um, And then this is where you're, so this is like the normal baseline of getting out of bed in time. And this is where you're at. Caffeine is just getting you here. But if you can raise yourself here, then caffeine is getting you here and you're above the baseline. That's how I like to see those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Um, Sorry, that was a bit of a poor explanation for people listening to the podcast. So (laughs) it's just
0: if you're eating well, Mm -hmm. you're sleeping, you've got a good daily routine, you've optimized that, you can get from zero to 90. Mm -hmm. Microdosing can take you from 90 to 95. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's just squeezing out those last little percentages, but you have to have that really strong baseline otherwise you become dependent on it either it doesn't work or you become dependent on it because you haven't got those default routines set up in a way so that you can yeah be productive yeah yeah
1: definitely like i, I think like 99% of people shouldn't even consider it and just focus on themselves and on philosophy and finding their purpose and stuff instead of trying to replace purpose and motivation with a substance that's yeah mm-hmm. that's
0: my fault. I, I completely agree that's so much of what we cover in the procrastination program it's the basics Mm -hmm. people like i paid money for this and then when they go through it and they implement the basics they're like hold on a second this was well worth it (laughs) but it's actually figuring out how to implement those basics that are the difficult thing yeah
1: yeah yeah Yeah. so instead of popping a pill pop the procrastination program (laughs) that's that's what you do instead right that will get you from the 40 to the 90 and then you can start considering the you know the really crazy stuff um, so the next question um, could you please do a video on starting your own business and expanding on business ideas yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah that's the answer to the question yeah alright yeah, right. um, so
0: finding business ideas I think it starts with a group of people and then a problem that that group of people have mm-hmm. and I think that that singular sentence can save so many people so many years of their life Mm -hmm. where they're thinking i can't start a business i haven't had an idea yet Well, you haven't looked for the problems how can you come up with a solution to a problem that you don't even know exists yeah yeah first step find a group of people step two find a problem that that group of people have yeah yeah then think of a solution to that problem
1: don't be thinking about where can i find business ideas find about where can i find people who have problems groups of people who have problems Mm -hmm. the easiest way to do that is to go up to like a a specific group Uh, you might do like online marketers i don't um, and then ask them, like, what's the biggest problem in your field? How much would you we would be willing to pay you to have that solved? Go and, sol- and and then say, right, I will solve that problem for you for X amount. Mm-hmm. Here's a contract, sign it. And then go and build that thing and bring it back to them. Mm-hmm. That's, like, the easiest way to do it. Yeah,
0: and I don't want people to take that advice and think that that's just us just, just saying something that's not important. Like we're talking about with productivity. If you can do that, if you find a group of people, you speak with them, mm-hmm. and you find a problem you've gone from zero to 80. Mm-hmm. That is that is the, the 80% of starting a business, <laughs> yeah, yeah. just that. Yeah. And we can summarize it in a sentence. Mm-hmm. Find a group of people, speak with them, find a problem, try and solve that problem. Mm-hmm. But yet so many people think of business ideas, they think of these crazy ideas, and you don't even know if there's a problem there that you're trying to solve. Like, that's like putting a plaster on a leg with no cut there. Yeah. Don't try and make a better plaster, find the cut and deal with the cut, mm-hmm. that's it
1: yeah absolutely yeah Yeah. I don't think I have anything more
0: to add about like I mean we could talk for business (laughs) years literally yeah years and years and years it's just that's it yeah for that question for that question that's all you need yeah is a
1: group of people with a business idea and here's how to find that that is literally just talking to people and asking what their biggest problem is solving it and then taking some money yeah (laughs) yeah yeah Um, right Um, let's jump into uh, time tips So I actually have a really interesting time tip um, Mm -hmm. that I was reading about recently. Um, It's basically jumping through wormholes, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is really interesting. So basically, it's the idea that certain events in your life can cause you to jump ahead in the life curve, as it were. Um, so I think we've experienced this very practically with our startups and businesses, um, is that at such a young age, we have been able to do quite well with our startups and businesses, and therefore we've been able to leap ahead to almost being 30 years old or 40 years old. Mm-hmm. Because people will work from you know the age of 20 to the age of 30 in order to get to a certain goal. But by you know hard work or luck, whatever you want to put it down to, certain events have caused us um, to jump over that and to go and, and to save that ten years essentially mm-hmm. um, and, and to jump over that um, I don't know did you have any thoughts about that
0: yeah so it's saying that if you can learn how to navigate time and learn how to go through time quicker than other people you can free up so much space in your life to, to do whatever you want with mm-hmm. So if you can learn to go quickly you've created time for you to do whatever you want with and, and we've talked about it before most people that, that are in our situation they spend their first 10 20 years obsessing about business yeah then they get to a point where, where they've got more money than they know what to deal with and they go through an existential crisis and they say right i've I've, got, I've spent all these years earning money now i'm going to go to spirituality yeah and we recognize that so many people in our situation follow that loop mm-hmm. so let's just out that process and do both at the same time. Yeah. Like, yeah, let's try create something incredible. Let's try create a brand that has a vision that helps thousands and thousands of people. Yeah. As well as earning the money and as well as doing the spirituality at once. Yeah. And then what's gonna happen is we live that lifetime and we condense it down even further. And then what happens after that? Yeah. Not many people have gone through that. That's where we start to do some crazy <laughs> stuff, where we really condense most people's lifetime into a few years, so that we can have the rest of our life to do stuff that most people don't even have the time to, to think about.
1: Yeah, 100%. So it's about recognizing like where are the common flows of people like yourself, mm-hmm. and then trying to jump over that as fast as possible. Yep. Do that in, in you know two years, not instead of 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's so interesting.
0: How many entrepreneurs know that they shouldn't be just chasing money, mm-hmm. and yet they do it anyway? Mm-hmm. That is a perfect example of people just wasting years of their life. Yeah, they know logically that yeah. chasing moneyness won't give them happiness, yet they do it regardless. <laughs> it makes no sense. Yeah. So if you just don't do that, yeah, you yeah. can free up so many years of your life to do things that do bring happiness. Yeah 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 <laughs> it's crazy
1: it is interesting and i think it, it kind of speaks to like a, a a broader you know broader philosophy as well of, of time and of time theory and trying to get as much time out of your time as possible mm-hmm. um and trying to extend your time and i think through this you can live multiple lifetimes if you're smart about it and you try to find these wormholes and you jump through them mm-hmm. um and so the book i was reading did gave give some kind of caution around that and the Jumping through a wormhole, you might end up somewhere that you didn't necessarily want to be, Mm. Um, and so just be careful about that. Um, and so just some like examples of wormholes stuff like starting a you know, uh, starting a company, um, starting like a really nice job, um, even marrying the right person can put you like way
0: ahead of the curve. Mm -hmm. Um, finding a mentor, yeah, absolutely, reading the right book, yeah, yeah, watching time theory podcasts,
1: (laughs) all of these things can put you drastically ahead and save you time.
0: Yeah, and time is everything, because with that newfound time that you have, you can seek new and novel events that you can remember. Yeah. Or you can seek something deep that you can have fulfillment around. Yeah, With that freed up time gives you the opportunity to do whatever you want with your life. Mm-hmm. If you can get the basics down, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you can get the money, you can get the, the friendships, you can get all of those things early, you've now freed up to seek the more advanced things in Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. <laughs> I don't think I've got anything else to say about it. I mean, that. again, we could talk about it for, for ages. Yeah,
1: yeah. But it's still something I'm, I'm pondering. Um, I was wondering whether you had any other thoughts on it at all.
0: On how to speed up time? Yeah, yeah like
1: jumping through these wormholes.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a difficult one because sometimes you don't want to jump through worm, wormholes like you were saying. Mm-hmm. So somebody might hear what we're saying and they might find a way to win the lottery and earn a million pounds. Yeah. Like, but maybe you don't want to do that because mm-hmm. now you've jumped through the wormhole where most people spend years chasing money, but maybe you don't actually want to, to do that. So technically it's a wormhole that you miss having to grind for money. But maybe it's the grinding for money or, or grinding for, for, for something mm-hmm. that brings you so much, that, that, that brings the pleasure. It's the grind, not the destination. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I guess that's kind of more an argument of going deep as well rather than going shallow, mm-hmm. is that some people just enjoy the grind more. Yeah. I know I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so next time tip. Um, I think you wanted to speak about creating a routine. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So uh, I think the main point I wanted to get home mm-hmm. was that most people, so say there's a, there's, a, there's a means to an end, we've all heard the quote, mm-hmm. and the means is the actions that you do, and then the end is the result that you're going for. Mm-hmm. Most people have a varying end, you know, so they don't have a fixed goal, they don't have a set something that they want to overcome. Mm-hmm. And, and this is talked about so much in personal development you need to have a goal, you need to have a vision, you need mm-hmm. to have something that you're getting towards. And great, now you've got that, that's half of the battle. But the other half that so many people don't have is having a fixed means, having a set routine that gets you towards that end goal. Mm -hmm. Because if you ever have to ask yourself the question, what should I be doing today? Or what should I be doing next? There's opportunity in that for you to answer wrong. Mm -hmm. There's opportunity for you to pick the incorrect answer. Whereas if you can sit down and create a fixed means, a fixed routine, once you've got that, you can now create scientific experiments with that routine. Mm -hmm. You can now say, right, I'm getting these results, and you can pinpoint exactly why you have those results because what you're doing is consistent Mm -hmm. it's just reducing the variables in your time so that you're able to create results which is going to let you accelerate towards that end Mm -hmm. but then how do you build in those new and novel ideas into a fixed routine i think you can routinize
1: novelness right i think you can
0: how because you just think what can i do today that i've never done before yeah and then you go and do that thing that's new. Right. I think you're actually more likely to do novel things if you have a routine than mm-hmm. if you don't have a routine. Right. So you,
1: do you plan, like, time in your day where you're going to be like, right, I'm going to do something new?
0: I a- don't, but I should. Right. I think. Okay. I, well, actually, that's a lie. Every Sunday when I've got a day off, me and my girlfriend, we try and do new things, mm-hmm. exciting things that we've never done before. And that, yeah. that you know, that, that there's fun in that. There's novelness in that. So I guess I do. Yeah,
1: oh, I think you just found a hack there as well. Right. Because by doing it with your girlfriend, you're deepening the relationship with your girlfriend, or, but you were also, yeah, getting those new experiences as well. That's true. So maybe it's trying to find like a synergistic way to we're do deep both. To yeah, between you're going deep with your girlfriend right. <laughs> and, and broaden everything else. That is actually really cool. That is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe the trick is to do new things with other people and then deepen those relationships really interesting i think we should end it there
0: yeah so thank you guys for listening again let us know in the comments any way that we can improve it because we we thrive off the feedback how can we improve if we don't know what to improve on we need that data before we can iterate let us know what you think uh and yeah subscribe on itunes spotify like us on youtube (laughs)